Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Carolyn Winty, the CEO of Winty Family Estate. She's also fourth generation, and she will be featured in Wine Country Women Heritage Families. Carolyn, thank you so much for inviting me here to... What I'd like to call is the Winty Compound. <laughs> Great to have you. It's a fantastic day, and this is really just a fantastic estate that you have. Thank you. Thank you. Really lovely to have a chance to sit down with you. You're a pretty incredible woman. Your great-grandfather started this business. Was it inevitable that you would work here one day? You know, I, I think so, just because um, I knew my grandparents. I never knew my great-grandfather, but I knew my grandparents and certainly my parents. And uh, every day of my life, um, what it was about something on the farm or the vineyard or the cattle ranch. And and so it just becomes part of your blood, right? Um, and, and I guess I, I took it for granted to some extent because I loved it so much. And... Um, I, yeah, I can't imagine not working here. As you were growing up, what did you enjoy most about what you saw? So, you know, from a very early age, um, my grandfather would swing by um, our house and I think help my mom by taking my two older brothers, Eric and Phil and myself, and putting us in the back of the pickup truck and driving around the vineyards. And, and he'd just talk about how things grew or what you know, what was going on in the vineyards. Um, we were also, as we got older, recruited to be his cattle hands because <laughs> not only do we farm about 2,000 acres of vineyard here in the Livermore Valley, but we run a 1,600-acre cattle ranch. It's a cow-calf operation. So I loved riding horses as a uh, young girl growing up and, and, you know, quite the tomboy because always tagging around with my two older brothers. But um, all of those things to me were about um, being outdoors, being active, and always something new to learn or see or do. What was your first job in the wine industry? That I actually got paid for? (laughs) (laughs) Probably a good question. Yes, let's say that you got paid for. So I think um, uh, first summer full-time job was working on the bottling line, and it was before anything was automated. You, I, I, Yes, there was a conveyor belt that moved bottles down the line, but I had long um, uh, rolls of what used to be lead capsules that you would work and then put a capsule on each bottle, and there 48 bottles a minute went by. So I, I felt like Lucy uh, on, the, <laughs> on the bottling line, you know, occasionally I'd knock something over and you'd look for the emergency switch to hit it so the whole thing wouldn't break. Right. Oh, my gosh. How did your career evolve here? So um, I guess after going to college, um, I 
went across the bay to Stanford University and was a history major, um, graduated in history. Yeah, go figure. So that's why you're going to hear a lot of history from me. Uh, right. I love the it. family. But uh, they didn't have an undergraduate business degree, and I think my interest was in business. So I took a lot of accounting, uh, computer science, that kind of thing. Uh, and then uh, when I graduated, I was hired as a financial analyst for an agricultural bank, uh, and worked for them for a few years and, and actually developed, helped develop a management information system that tracked their agricultural loans. Lived down in Fresno for a couple of years while this was being installed. And I got a call one day from my uh, brother Phil saying, hey, um, Eric and I, my older brother, um, were thinking about hiring somebody for sales and marketing. So we think that you would be a really good candidate to come back and work with us and run sales and marketing. And I started laughing. I'm like, well, what do I know about sales and marketing? <laughs> and they said, well, you grew up doing it. And I was like, yeah, right. I think I remember throwing some hay out to the cattle and, uh, you know, <laughs> driving a tractor. And, and then they said, well, but think of all the times dad brought, um, hoteliers or restaurateurs or key buyers by and you had to quickly pull a lunch together or help mom with a dinner that would you know be uh, beautiful and offset or match our wines think of all those people that you know think of the number of times you traveled with mom and dad to various places and presented the wines or heard them talk about the wines and you met all these distributors what do you think you don't know about sales and marketing? <laughs> I started laughing. So anyway, I uh, decided to come back and join them. And part of going away to work in the first place, when I was a senior at Stanford, my father uh, passed away. And so my brother Eric, I think, was 24 at the time. Philip was 20. Eric was 25. Phil was 24, and I was 21. So we essentially inherited the winery at that point. Uh, and I think that they looked at it as we were three partners and wanted uh, for us to be able to continue as partners in the business. And my sense is being the youngest and a woman um, that I didn't always want to be the little kid sister being, you know, patted on the head. Uh, so I wanted to go out and prove you know, that I could earn my own living and stand on my own two feet. So right. I did that for a while, but was very anxious to come back and at some point integrate into uh, uh, helping our brands grow. That was a lot of responsibility three kids had uh, to take over a business when your father passed away. Yeah, um, I think, you know, my brother Eric and both and my brother Phil were already back here working. My grandfather, my father's father, was still alive and very smart, vibrant, active. My mother uh, equally, and I think both of them great mentors and sounding boards for my two brothers who stepped up and really uh, took hold and, and kept things going. So you came back in a sales and marketing role. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, today you're CEO. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in your CEO role, what are you most proud of? What accomplishment are you most proud of? I think how, uh, well, two things. One, um, how 
our brand has been resilient through the years and uh, and the business and that my two brothers and I have been able to adapt uh, and remain relevant thus far uh, and and continue to grow the business so I guess it's it's about being entrepreneurial and and having a good business that continues to have enterprise value um, the second thing is just seeing that next generation coming in and that we created an environment and I guess we're stewards of our business with the vision of handing it down to that next generation and so how do we do that but really the same way my grandfather and, and parents did and that was involved them from a very early age um, in various activities around the business and, and, and making it a fun family activity. And I, I think people often forget um, if you live it every day and you hear talked about you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, and or over family holidays, um, what's going on in the vineyard or what's going on out in this uh, marketplace, that um, you're almost getting another college degree, a master's, because um, you just absorb so much. It's that osmosis of living it every day. So you have way more experience and or memories um, than you might imagine than just reading it from a textbook. So I'm just so proud to see that next generation, and there's um, six of them in the fifth generation, of which five are already back working at the winery in completely different skill sets and job responsibilities. So it's not as if we have two people who are in marketing and two that are in winemaking. Um, everyone's taken kind of a different path. So I think that's kind of fun, too, to see uh, that accomplishment as well. Absolutely. Best advice that your grandfather or your father ever gave? That's a good one. I think um, just my grandfather always said, put yourself in the other person's shoes. And so I think it's that time to uh, turn around, you know, tr hold the mirror, <laughs> look at yourself, put yourself in the other person's um, point of view, listen, um, hear and learn what they're saying before you just haul off and do. Not to get too serious. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> the wine industry is predominantly men, a male-driven industry. Do you think it's harder for women? So I certainly know when I first started back in the business in the early, I guess, um, late 1970s, early 80s, um, full-time and paid, um, <laughs> that there was rarely a woman in the room when I walked into the room. Um, hardly knew any women and uh, but I don't know that I ever thought twice about it because I grew up with two older brothers and in a family that always expected um, the same from everybody you didn't get favoritism because you were a woman or because you were a man um, it was more about your um, confidence ability to and knowledge to do things um, your work ethic uh, so I guess as I step back and look at it, I didn't think twice about it. Uh, and, and I hope that that still applies today because I think if, if you have confidence in yourself and, and what you can do and you're passionate about it, you'll excel. And um, 
there are so many incredible women in this business now, and I think they're there because they are those type of women. Uh, and, and I don't think it's just unique to the wine business. I think it's, you know, across all businesses. So I think I'm a, a champion of the, the, the glass ceiling is breaking, and it's because um, there's really awesome people out there. What's on the horizon for you and Wenty? What do you hope to conquer next? So I think it's having the fifth generation um, absolutely take over, have fire in their belly to uh, be the great stewards and, and have our winery um, survive, <laughs> thrive uh, for another generation or two or three. I mean, you look at great examples of other uh, particularly European family uh, uh, wineries and I guess we're one of the oldest family owned and continuous operating here in America uh, so I hope that that continues on that would be my dream but there isn't like I want to build this or I'd like to create this program or is there something more tangible that you can share yeah um, so for me it's really about um, being that support for that next manage, fifth generation management team to be coming in to take over and build their entrepreneurial dreams. I would say that um, my two brothers and I, when we took over in the 1970s, um, we increased um, the footprint in the international market and are probably one of the more well-respected um, international or export wineries from California today. We developed and we're probably one of the first to um, have many lifestyle businesses that really play on wine experiences, and, and that seems to be the key thing that a lot of people are doing, you know, whether it was um, starting a restaurant or um, building a Greg Norman-designed golf course to recreate in or starting a summer concert series or ways to get people to property to connect. Uh, them with your brand and for them to go away as brand ambassadors. So those are the things, and, and those were things I was passionate about uh, coming in as the sales and marketing leader, but, um, and, and my brothers were passionate about trying new grape varieties to plant here in the valley and also down in Arroyo Seco. Um, uh, new markets to open. My brother Eric, incredible job in the international marketplace. Um, uh, so I think those were our dreams. Those are the things that I want that fifth to be empowered and own and love and want to grow. And I think I said earlier, it's about that enterprise value. You know, you can have a family-owned business and have a lifestyle and kind of plunk along, but um, to remain relevant, I think you have to continue to uh, advance ideas and, and have those. So I'm championing them and supporting, supporting them to them. develop mm -hmm. their ideas that they're going to own for the next 40 or 50 years, much like my two brothers and I owned ours. Well said. I mean, I could tell them what to do, but that <laughs> wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be fun for anybody. <laughs> I think that... Uh they're having fun exploring and learning and finding their own ways right here in the business. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Game day tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Want to have the most fans at your game day get-together? Bring an amazing IPA to complement your favorite hot wings. Chips and guacamole are a must on game day. 
pair with a crisp Prosecco for the win. Ordering a meat lover's pizza for halftime? Serve with a red wine like a Spanish Rioja for a fun pairing. Whether you're hosting game day or stocking up, Total Wine & More is what you need with our ridiculous selection at our always low prices. Cheers! We took a step inside your home. What would we see? What is your decorating style? Uh, a very large kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you love to cook. I love to cook. Um, I love to garden. I uh, have a nice vegetable garden and try to keep it going with you know seasonal things year-round. Have a citrus orchard on our front bank below our house. So see, I'm talking about outside again. It's right. not the inside. <laughs> um, my husband's from New Orleans, born and raised, um, old New Orleanians family, and um, he came to California uh, in the 1970s. Um, and, and when we got married, much later, um, our house is really a blend of many of his old family's antiques and things that I've gotten from our family. So it's, it's a bit eclectic, and, um, uh, but our house, I would say, is kind of California ranch modern. <laughs> Okay. Don't know how to go Uh, from there, but it was from uh, the house morphed from a 1930s farmhouse. So, what's uh, the predominant color scheme? Hmm. Uh, Very pale, pale yellow um, walls, kind of a reflection of warm sunlight from the outside. Lots of windows everywhere. I'd say warm earth tones. Okay. When you want to kick back and relax, which room do you go to? Outside again. (laughs) (laughs) This is why she lives in California. (laughs) I have a great lounge. I have actually several lounge chairs, one on our front deck, some on the back side of the house, looks up at the horse pasture. Okay, (laughs) so she is outside. When you're not working, which is probably not very often, but when you're not working, how do you like to spend your free time? Um, Again, gardening. Right. um, Do you have a hobby? Gardening. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you collect something out of the ordinary? <laughs> um, not really. I used to collect a lot of cookbooks, mm-hmm. and I still do, but not to the, I guess, capacity that I used to because everything's so available online. Right. And I almost want to cry every time I Google search a recipe as opposed to pulling a book down from my shelf and leafing through because then that leads to so much more exploration Mm -hmm. or catches your eye about something else. So anyway, yeah, I guess my hobby, I I do like to cook, I do like to garden, but um, I love to hike, horseback ride, um, uh, Where's your favorite trail? Probably just on our cattle ranch, yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> How many horses do you have? Well, right at the moment, I, I, I'm down two horses, and um, so I have zero. My brother Eric has a handful of horses, I know, and, and so I'm now, I've been every, you know, every week I'm online looking for a new quarter horse and or talking to the local ranchers about what they've got available. But uh, given how much travel I've I've done, I 
kind of step back from writing as much as I'd, I generally would like to. And so it's finding that special horse that you can throw out in the pasture and they'll be happy for a month or more before you get back on them again without a big rodeo every time. Right, <laughs> right. Has there been a trip that you've taken that has great meaning to you? So I went to school um, in Florence uh, and love Italy and I'd say almost annually uh, make a journey back to somewhere um, in Italy uh, and I'd, I'd say that um, gosh uh, my my one of my favorites is has really been with my husband exploring a little bit more of um, the countryside around Florence as opposed to staying in Florence. And we did most recently a truffle hunt, which was super fun with a truffle dog and, you know, just uh, hiking around the, or walking around the forests and watching this dog work was just incredible. <laughs> I have not done that, but I can just imagine for sure. Did he find a lot of truffles? He did, although it had rained um, quite heavily the previous week and so a lot of the truffles were beginning Mushy. to yeah start to get some mold on mm. them and weren't quite as um I guess pungent fragrant mm. as they could have been um but I don't know I've I've done so many fun different trips um I, I ne would have never imagined that I'd like fly fishing but my husband and I went fly for fishing with some friends up outside of Glacier National Park I got so hooked. I love fly fishing now. So I don't know. I, you know, adventure's adventure, and trying new things is is great. We're in wine country, <laughs> with a glass of wine in our hands. <laughs> Other than your own wine, what do you like to drink at home? Are you truly a wine girl? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Probably. Are you ever caught at home with someone else's wine? Oh, absolutely. Uh, last night, I, I actually played a round of golf yesterday afternoon with a, a girlfriend and, whom I hadn't seen since July. Thank you, pandemic times. But golf is one of those great sports nowadays that you can socially distance and be outside. So afterwards, we finished up around 5 o'clock. It was just starting to get dark. And um, I had a beautiful Lyoko Pinot Noir from um, the Sonoma Coast, which I opened, and she's a big Pinot Noir drinker, and uh, she was not familiar with it, and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, so I can have our wines anytime, any day, and I virtually do every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> As you but, should. Um, it's so fun to drink other people's wines, to taste different wine styles, um, to think about that sense of place, that region from which they come. And so I'm, I'm willing to try and experiment. So many friends who come over for dinner or come visit are like, well, what can we bring? And I'm like, bring wine, because I want to try somebody else's wine. What's your favorite wine? Bring that. Let's try that. So that's, okay. that's kind of where I am. You grew up here in Livermore. You've lived here your whole life, pretty yep. much. Yep. Let's tell people what's so special about this area. So in terms of lifestyle, uh, there aren't too many places, um, I think, 
outside of California that you can easily in an hour be at the beach within three hours be in the mountain snow skiing or on beautiful Lake Tahoe water skiing or, or sailing or doing whatever. Um, so I think Livermore Valley is the proximity to so many different um, uh, places in, in Northern California in particular is exceptional. In terms of wine, um, I think it is an ideal climate with our proximity to the San Francisco Bay. And really, um, people are often surprised at the cooling um, winds and nature that we have here. Uh, and if you, you stop to think about it, when you see the span of windmills on the eastern hills, you'd understand that as the Central Valley heats up, it sucks those Golden Gate gap winds right through the Livermore Valley and brings that cooling fog in. So we may get, you know, warm days in the 90s, but it'll be 40 or 50 degrees at night in the um, summertime. And I just love being able to open my doors at night and have that cold air cool the house down and then close it up uh, in the morning when I get up and keep that coolness all day long. And it's just uh, a great great way to, to live. And you look around at where else in the U.S. do you get to do that? Right. Know? There are very few, very few climates. And so uh, California is a, a great place to be in spite of the taxes and the politics and the, <laughs> and the traffic and the people. <laughs> California has a lot of different wine regions. Can you just speak briefly What's the differentiating factor of a wine from Livermore? What's, what, what makes a wine different? I know you spoke to the, the climate. What is a characteristic that may stand out? So with the, the white wines, I think you may find in particular, um, well, even in a, a, a Sauvignon Blanc, uh, a minerality to them, also in the Chardonnays, because of the very heavily graveled soils that we have here uh, in the, the valley itself. There are a number of different arroyos that run um, through the, the vineyard areas that have left these alluvial fans, and, and uh, the gravel will go well over five, 600 feet deep. So it's they're very poor soils. Uh, which then forces the grapevine, I think, to not pr produce as much vegetative uh, growth. So you get good ripening, good full um, uh, development of that fruit varietal. And as I mentioned with the climate, you get that fog that comes in. So the acidity levels hold up very nicely. And uh, so you, good, good flavor development, good acidity, and I think those make beautifully balanced wines. On the red side, what I would say is there's a, a good ripeness that causes the tannins to be more developed, um, less green and chewy, harsh tannins, more soft, supple, integrated into um, the, the side of your palate, center palate. So they're, they're, they tend to be a little bit more elegant, lush. Uh, well, lush isn't a, a good word. I think it's just more elegant, supple. Um, 
And, and the red wines also pick up a bit of that minerality, but in a slightly different way. I would call it more of a dusty nature. So when you finish a, drinking a Livermore Valley Red, you might just get a little hint of dustiness in the back. Um, but beautiful, beautiful wines. And, and Arroyo Seco, why my father purchased vineyard down there, or actually land, and he planted vineyard in the early 1960s, was because completely different, very rich soils still along an alluvial fan of the Arroyo Seco River and on the benchland below the Santa Lucia Highlands, so you get this real coolness, uh, almost cold um, climate, and so different development of the fruit flavors and so I think it offered a different you know, we could plant Pinot Noirs down there we used to grow Pinot here in the Livermore Valley but that area was so ideal that uh, he made it much more specific to that and to the uh, Riva Ranch Chardonnay which I think you enjoyed with Nikki. I did very much <coughs> so. You spoke about the fifth generation supporting them as they continue to evolve here in the business what is the legacy plan in terms of the transition business, to yeah. the business? Um, well, I think that it it is about um, having that next generation um, take over. And my two brothers currently sit on the board. Uh, I think at some point in the not too distant future, I'll probably take a seat off day-to-day off -day, uh, operations here at the winery and move to the board. And we have a lot of great leaders here at, at Winty um, that are, um, I think, going to be that next uh, executive level management team. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a family member. Uh, because there's a little bit of a span between um, experience and and taking on the CEO role. So I, I think there may be a, a bridge with uh, outside leadership. So okay. we'll see. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch Yeah, for sure. You're an amazing woman. You've accomplished so much. How do you want to be remembered? Uh, I guess uh, as generous, loving, uh, supportive. On a lighthearted note. We are going to wrap things up. <laughs> she with, says with a shake of her head. With five <laughs> quick questions, and they are very lighthearted. So here we go, Carolyn. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a Mercedes. Okay. Also a 22-year-old Tahoe, Chevy Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> she goes from one extreme to the other. <laughs> I love this lady. Um, what's your favorite flower? Dogwood. Hmm. Okay. What time I guess do you that's get... a tree, but it does flower. It does flower. <laughs> I'm letting it go. What time do you get up in the morning? Uh, generally around sometime between five and six. What's one of your favorite songs? I love It's a Wonderful, I think it's World by Louis Armstrong. Okay. And which do you prefer, ice cream or potato chips? Um, potato chips. Carolyn, so much fun to be with you today. Thank you for sitting down with me. Thank you. It was great to be with you. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.